Wednesday, November 27th, and you're tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm your host, Joe Noga, and our tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes, joins us once again. We're going to talk turkey and the Indians, Paul. Good to hear from you. <laughs> and it makes me hungry right away. Yeah, you got to be cleared out any space for the holiday feast tomorrow. Is that... Uh, I'm um, running laps right now. There you go. I'm I'm, I'm working on uh, working on clearing out the room. We're uh, we're getting ready for to, to to host at my house for the first time uh, ever. So it should be an. Interview. Oh yeah, yeah. We're having everybody over tomorrow too, so it'll be how, fun. About how many people do you get in for the uh, the holiday feast? We bring you know our two boys come over and uh, their wives, and we got four grandkids. So we'll have the. We'll have a full table, and I don't know, there's, there'll be some other people, I'm sure, stopping by. Now, do you carve the bird, or do you let other people take care of that? I, I let my wife carve the bird. She, <laughs> she has no patience with me, because I, I, I think I'm doing a hell of a job, but she doesn't think so. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea how that's going to go tomorrow. I've got my, uh, my sister-in-law and her family are coming up from South Carolina, and they have three, uh, three children under the age of, I think, eight. So. We're uh, we're in for a, a full day of uh, feeding and screaming and running and yelling and all sorts. <laughs> That'll of be stuff. great. Uh, looking forward to it. But uh, but the Indians uh, have uh, you know uh, not not a lot of news in the last week uh, since we last talked. But uh, it, the major thing uh, it's going to be different in 2020. No Nick Goody on the roster. Uh, Nick Goody who who had a, an outstanding 2017 season with the Indians. Uh, struggled in 2018 and eventually went on the the injured list with uh, elbow surgery and then came back in 2019 and you know it, it, in flashes looked 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 pretty good then then he'd he'd struggle for a little bit but uh, Nick Goody was the odd man out when the Indians had to make their 40 man roster uh, additions and subtractions. Yeah, I think what hurt him, Joe, not so much his pitching because. You know, he was one of the few guys in that bullpen that could get a strikeout when you needed it. You know, obviously he faded at the end of the year. He had like a nine ERA from, you know, the middle of August on. But uh, he still, you know, averaged what, 11.1 strikeouts per nine innings, uh, you know, in over like 50 innings. So I thought he did a good job. But, uh, you know, what hurt him was he was out of options. He was eligible for arbitration. And, uh, you know, when push came to shove, he got shoved. But, you know, I thought he'd get picked up. And uh, I think uh, – I'm not sure he officially took the offer from Texas, but it makes sense. You know, he'll go on to 40-man, and uh, he's out of options. So, you know, they'll have a choice to make at the end of spring training. He's either makes it 25-man or, you know, he's a free agent. Right, and, and and Nick Nick Goody was he was well liked in the clubhouse. He's a good good character guy. Uh, like you said, his swing and miss rate was 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 real high, especially when when he threw that slider uh, to to right handed and left handed hitters. Actually, yeah. he could get both out with with that slider. He was really effective, but uh, you know he he just had struggles where he'd, he'd give up a couple of home runs here and there, and and, and it just wasn't necessarily the consistency that the Indians were looking for in that first season back after the elbow surgery. Uh, the additions to the 40-man roster were Daniel Johnson, uh, Tristan McKenzie, who, of course, missed the whole last season with, uh, you know, back and, and ribcage muscles and all that uh, issues, 
and uh, Scott Moss, who was picked up in the Trevor Bauer trade. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't think there's any surprises there, especially McKenzie and Johnson. You know, Johnson put together, you know, really a good year at double-A and triple-A, and he just finished up. He was finishing up in, in the Dominican Winter League. Uh, he's got about close to 600 at bat, so he should be ready coming to camp. Moss, like you said, is a lefty. Um, you know, interesting guy, you know, pitched very well for the Indians at, at double-A and triple-A after the deal. And McKenzie's, you know, their guy from 2015. I've talked to some people about McKenzie. You know, he hasn't gained a whole lot of weight. He's still hovering around 170. So, you know, he could take a shower and not get wet. But they say he's maturing. He's getting stronger. And uh, they're, they're confident he'll be ready to pitch in spring training and compete. And uh, it'll be good to see what he has. Yeah, and, and he can only provide even more depth to that, that starting pitching, I guess, uh, for, for the Indians that, that the organization already has. So, uh, you know, it would be good to, to see him make great strides this year, I guess, uh, as, as a positive for the Indians. Yeah, uh, because if he, if he didn't get hurt, you know, in spring training last year, he they might have called him up instead of Plesac or or uh, Savali. Exactly, and then and and then there would be one extra you know spot on the forty man roster right now if that would, if that were the case. Right, exactly. Uh, speaking of forty man roster and speaking of moves and 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 you know what's going on uh, throughout just throughout the league right now, uh, it seems like unless you're the Atlanta Braves, you're not really making any. Uh, uh, free agent signings, but it's been better this year uh, than it was last year, at least early on in the free agent period. Yeah, definitely. The the Braves have kind of jumped out front. You know, Will Smith, uh, Chris Martin for the bullpen. They they signed a catcher, uh, D'Arnaud. Uh, you know. Darnold, Travis Darnold from uh, um, the Rays, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, that, that's three signings right away. And earlier, you know, they picked up uh, Nick Marcakis's, uh you know, options. So, uh, you know, that, that's, a, I think, you know, after two years of really seeing nothing happening uh, early in the, early in the off season, it's, it's maybe this market will be a little fluid, a little more fluid, a little more action in it. And, you know, all the action won't be taking place in February and March. All right. And the other team that the Indians have to be uh, at least concerned about be the Chicago White Sox also making a few moves. Uh, they, they had Jose Abreu pick up the, um, the qualifying offer earlier, but they also signed Yasmani Grandel, pretty much the, the top catcher on the market. That's a $73 million contract for, for four years for Grandel. And, uh, and, and they're making, they're continuing to make moves. They also uh, released, uh, waived Yomer uh, Sanchez, uh, a guy who, you know, gave the Indians fits at times. Uh, as, as sort of like one of those pesky, uh, you know, hitters that always just sort of pops up. But really his, uh, his gold glove defense at second base was, uh, was really sort of the eye popper there as, as a guy. He was, he was expected to make $6 million in arbitration this year. So that probably, uh, they're probably saving that money with an eye on, you know, maybe like a, a Garrett Cole or a, a Steven Strasburg uh, frontline starter. Yeah, and they've got some kids coming too in, in the pipeline. That Nick um, Madrigal, yeah, he. I guess he's he's a tough. He might be a little farther away, but he's a prospect that they like. So, you know, it, and it might. It's an interesting kind of guy to, uh, as you wrote earlier, Joe, this week. Uh, might be a guy that that fits in the Indians' plans, depending if if they want. He can play second and third, 
not a big offensive guy, like you said, but certainly can handle the glove. And it'd be interesting to see how that, that plays out. Yeah, I mean, if you if you make a claim on him off of waivers, uh, which they would have to do in the next couple of days before he becomes a free agent, uh, then you know you'd you'd solve all your problems defensively on the infield. You you would be solid either if he plays third base or second base. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's just what's he going to provide to you? Is he going to he's going to give you maybe even a little less than what Jason Kipnis gave you over the last two years uh, offensively, and that's that's a step back. So, uh, you know, and, and, but he'd be doing it at about half of what Kipnis was making. So, uh, there, there, there is that, uh, as far as, you know, just anything the Indians are, are looking at doing in, in terms of just like, Hey, black Friday's coming up on, uh, on this Friday. It's the, it's the, the day of the year, the team or the, the, the people go out and, and get their, their bargain basement, you know, they get their half price deals on televisions and whatnot. Any, any deals out there that the Indians could be making? What are the, what positions they're looking for right now? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously they still need an infielder. You know, they, mm-hmm. they need somebody to play second or third, depending on where, where, where they're going to play Ramirez. It'd be nice to see him get, you know, somebody in the outfield, a guy that isn't necessarily, necessarily a platoon guy, an everyday guy, but, you know, that's going to cost money, and I don't know if they're going to, you know, do that. Uh, and uh, I guess you, you still got to, uh, you know, kind of lengthen out the uh, the market for, you know, Lindor. You got to find out that and, and, and Kluber as well. You know, I, I didn't think there were, you know, I didn't think there would be that, that big a market for Kluber, especially, you know, what, he makes seven starts. He's mm-hmm. he missed most of the year. But, you know, his name keeps coming up just like it did last year, not with the frequency of last year, but, you know, he's, he's been rumored uh, to be going here and there. And, you know, the Dodgers are back in the picture with, with Kluber reportedly. So that's an interesting move to me. I, I don't see it, you know, but I don't see a team really making a, a big move with Kluber when, when they haven't seen him pitch much, you know, he may, he pitched those, you know, a few, few starts last year. I, I think they'd have to wait and see w- just how healthy he is. What's a more likely scenario for the Indians to trade a Kluber in the offseason, this offseason, or to deal one of their young starters like Savali or Plesak or, or anybody, uh, you know, who, who hasn't had a, a long impact on the major league level yet so far, uh, you know, would they be more likely to trade Kluber or would it be more likely to, to deal a, a young prospect? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, I, I've, I would see them not giving up the prospect. You know, they've got control. They, they're not paying them anything, you know, with, with Kluber, you, you'd be able to move some salary. You'd also be able to, the return would probably be greater. I mean, mm-hmm. just I, I, as far as track record goes, but you know, I don't see that as a move that could take, that is going to happen now during the off season. I just, I just don't see it. People haven't seen him pitch. Yeah, depending on the direction of the season, possibly by the trade deadline, Kluber could be somebody who's who's talked about. But yeah, I I don't see them moving cheap, controllable pieces like Plesac and Savali uh, anytime soon. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, it's it's not like they're off limits. If you came in and blew the Indians away with an offer, yeah, but. You know, otherwise, it's it's going to take a, a lot to get them going anywhere. Just because. Yeah, just think of the last starting pitcher they traded was Bauer. I mean, and they were up against it with him in arbitration and and salary wise, and you know that pushed 
that deal. More, you know, and besides that, they haven't traded too much pitching. They, this team doesn't trade starting pitching. Well, since you since we opened the door on Bauer, I, I have to tell you, I, I listened to uh, a podcast earlier in this week, the uh, the the Big Play Reflog podcast. Uh, our friend Chris McNeil uh, and and his friends uh, interviewed Trevor Bauer from Seattle, and uh, Bauer revealing that he pitched part of the season with two sprained ligaments in his ankle, uh, something that he alluded to but was never specific about and never really wanted to talk to us about on the beat every day. Uh, you know, you knew something was bothering him. You knew something was wrong. But it's surprising to you to hear that it was, uh, you know, torn ligaments in his ankle that he was dealing with during the season? Well, you know, when you when you talk about it, Joe, he always did say he's, he could never, you know, he, he never felt comfortable in his delivery. And he, he talked and about limit. He talked about limitations being. Yeah. Lim- and, and, and Francona was saying, you know, he could never get up over the rubber, you know, mm-hmm. and that makes sense if, if his ankle was hurting. And I guess, you know, I, I don't know. I give him credit for not using it as a full blown excuse, but he certainly, you know, never failed to mention it when he was struggling. Right. And that, that's sort of the, the, the thing it's now that you're, a few months removed from it, and you know, you don't have the guys asking you after every start like we did. He he now just comes out and says, "Oh yeah, by the way, I had two two torn ligaments in my ankle." It was interesting. It was also interesting to hear his take on the Miles Garrett situation uh, with the the helmet uh, bashing of of Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, Bowers no stranger to on field incidents or outbursts. Of course, the throwing the ball over the the center field wall in Kansas City. Uh, but, but he, he said something along the lines of, you know, we all have human moments and, and that was, that was definitely a human moment for Trevor Bauer, uh, in Kansas city and how it correlates to miles Garrett, uh, having, I guess, sort of a human moment, uh, with Mason Rudolph. Uh, yeah. It was almost a, a, an emergency room moment for Mason Rudolph. <laughs> yeah. If he hit him with the, the hard part of the helmet, who knows where he would be right now. Well, he, he he wouldn't be starting uh, this week against the Browns, and he isn't starting this week against the Browns. Yeah, that's right. Found out. Hey, uh, breaking news! We just found out uh, as we're sitting here watching uh, MLB Network, uh, Derek Shelton uh, to be named the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, that's that's an interesting move. He was, you know, the bench coach in, in Minnesota. Uh, I think he was the bench coach uh, in uh, Tampa. Tampa, you know, where where he followed Cash. I think he was originally the hitting coach, and you know I knew him in Cleveland as uh, Wedgie uh, Eric Wedge's uh, hitting coach. Uh, he replaced he he came up and replaced Eddie Murray when uh, Wedge fired Eddie Murray as, as a hitting coach. He came up from I think Double A or Triple A, and uh, did a good job. Uh, smart guy, um, you know he's a guy that. Uh, <laughs> did you ever see those commercials where he has the swing thing? He has that swing. That swing, uh, uh, <laughs> like to help hitters hit. He 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 invented that, or he he, he advertises really? that. Yeah, really. Uh, so he's, he's like he's like on one of those Tommy Mansky, Fred McGriff commercials. That's, yeah, Tommy, Tommy. That's it. Yeah, okay. that's it. Yeah, he's okay. and, and, and he you know he's got one of those uh, swing tools that you know kind of. And I don't know if he uh, uh, if he invented it, but he you know he he was a guy that the front man of. But uh, he's a good guy, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, uh, Matt um, Quattaro, uh, a former Indians, another former Indians coach, assistant hitting coach, was mm-hmm. a finalist 
for the Pittsburgh job as well. And Matt uh, missed out on uh, the uh, the Giants job too. He was a finalist there, so uh, that went to uh, um, who got that? Uh, the Phillies old manager. Phillies. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't. Oh, uh, Gabe Kapler. Gabe, Gabe Kapler. Kapler. Yeah, he got that job. So yeah, so Indians' former assistants are in the news here. Right. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I think it's, that's going to be interesting. You know, I, I didn't know if Derek wanted a manager or not. And uh, that's an interesting move. But, you know, I guess when you go from hitting coach to bench coach, the next step is manager. So, and that, that organization was, you know, kind of taken down to the rivets. Everybody got fired and right. started all over again. Right. I, I do recall during this past season, uh, Derek Shelton got in, a, I believe, a, a bit of a shouting match with, at, at Progressive Field with uh, – uh, it might have been Brandon Kanky. It might have been the grounds crew. Some, some, I, I just remember there was a, an incident where uh, Shelton was had his guys on the field at, at a time when they weren't supposed to be on the field, and somebody was shouting at, at him in the dugout, and he was shouting back. and oh, yeah. uh, just, a, just a little bit of back and forth there. It was just interesting to see the – the dynamic there is somebody who had been uh, at at the ballpark as uh, working with the Indians organization, and then turn around and, and you know giving it to them just as well as yeah. you take it. And their new GM is Ben Sherrington, who was a scout with the Indians, right. the Pirates' new GM. So I, I wonder if there was a relationship there between Shelton and him. You know, right. if, if they knew each other from their Cleveland days. Right. All right. Well. Uh, you know, as we as we get closer to uh, you know tomorrow being the big day, to, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, what, what, what's what's it like at the uh, at the Hoynes Homestead there uh, on Thanksgiving? Are you are you sitting there waiting for just trades or, or signings or something? You worried that that's going to happen and you're going to have to break away from the table? Is that is that ever a thought? You know, in 38 years of doing this. I've had that happen a couple times. <laughs> I mean, I remember the Encarnacion thing happening over uh, over Christmas, and that was sort of a you know a big pain to have to sort of you know stop in, in the middle of it's the Christmas holiday, but Thanksgiving right. a little bit early in the cycle for that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, but I think that's happened. You know, as long as you know, I'm not letting anything get between me and the turkey, though. Turkey, <laughs> mashed potatoes. I mean, they can trade a few guys. I mean, if they're going to trade Lindor, maybe I'll stop in mid bite. But <laughs> other than that, you're going to have to call the national guard. Yeah, when I when I see the alert come through that says uh, Lindor has been traded, uh, it, it's that's going to be a look at the phone, a look at the turkey. Then I'll look back at the phone, and you've been—that's when you pretty much have to just resign yourself. Uh, what's your what's your what's your power ranking? What's your 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 favorite Thanksgiving food? Oh my God, I you know I I like it all, Joe. I'm I, I there's not too much I don't like. I I like uh, turkey, white meat, you know, gravy, mashed potatoes. Those are my favorite. Corn, uh, okay. little cranberry sauce. Some Is there stuff, but. But it's got to be the right kind of stuffing. I don't like onions in it, you know. So okay. But, well, no, I was going to say, is there a specific dish made by a family member or anything that that like like I have one, but I, I want to hear what yours is. My mother, uh, my uh, my wife makes uh, sweet potatoes with with marshmallows on them Ooh. and walnuts in it, and she got the recipe recipe from my stepmom a long time ago, and uh, kind of that that's that's one of my favorites. I like I love it. Well, I, I make my candied sweet potatoes like my mom used to make. I make them with uh, a whole lot of butter and brown sugar and red wine. So they're, they're, that's, that's pretty much one of my, the best dishes that I make. But in terms of the stuff that I look forward to, 
for the last 20 years, in, ever since I started dating my wife, uh, her mother's stuffing has just been, it's, it's amazing. It's the way they make it. I have no idea. They always make it in the bird, you know, in the bird, oh, yeah. out of the bird. And it's just the most wonderful stuffing. I look forward, we fight over the leftovers every year. <laughs> uh, my mother-in-law's stuffing. But yeah, it's stuff that I make. The, the candied sweet potatoes are, are, are pretty much the best. But uh, I am looking forward to my mother-in-law's stuffing. Again, I've, I'm cooking the bird tomorrow, but they're bringing the stuffing. So we'll, we'll see how that, uh, that works out. Yeah, I bought all the stuff. You know, <laughs> I, I get the list. You know, I get the shopping list. I go to the store. It takes me three hours because no, but where where do you find like cans of pumpkin? You know, and all this crazy stuff. Oh, they they put them out in the middle of the aisle when they know it's Thanksgiving <laughs> time. Come on, I'll tell you what though, my ten year old will eat an entire can of uh, the the jellied cranberry sauce. Oh yeah, I love. He it. will eat that by himself. <laughs> so we we bought. I bought three. One is for him specifically. <laughs> and the other two are for the rest of us. But uh, yeah, all right. Well, you know, as as you guys are sitting around the uh, around the table, you just remember we have we have plenty to be thankful for here in Cleveland, uh, particularly on this beat with the Indians. That <laughs> they give us so much to write about, so many <laughs> wonderful things. But but we do we 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 are lucky and we are blessed just to be able to you know do what we do and and this team. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, looking over at the, uh, the Cavs, looking over at the Browns, it's, it's, it's absolutely a blessing to, to be able to cover the Indians on a daily basis sometimes. Yeah, I think, you know, Joe, when you, when you look at it, the stability of the organization, um, you know, they, they, it's kind of like they, they tend to put you to sleep at this time of the year. But, Just like uh, turkey. Yeah, but, but they're, always, they're always working behind the scenes and they surprise you. At the you know now and then and uh, but I think that stability really carries over you know from the front from ownership to the front office to a management and to the locker room uh, you know they're they've been a consistently uh, well run organization and it shows on the field. All right, well you heard it here first, folks. The Cleveland Indians are the the turkey, the main course of uh, of Cleveland sports <laughs> franchises. They're they're what everybody looks forward to, and sometimes they put you to sleep, just uh, just like uh, just like we know. But uh, again, to to you and yours, uh, happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Paul, good to talk to you, and 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 uh, happy holiday to all your family. Same to you, Joe. Thanks, man.